Hello, Pontifax listeners. This is either an editor's note or a custom trailer, depending on how you want to look at it. Either way, Bree told me to tell you, Popular History is now a daily show, including the new segment, Cardinal Numbers, where we'll be giving all the cardinals the Rexypod treatment. We've got the bio for a modern cardinal coming out every Saturday, and more content on weekdays. Once a month, I commandeer a co-host or two to talk through the latest batch and see who's ready for the next round. Cardinal Numbers, part of the Popular History Podcast. Subscribe to Popular History wherever you get your pods. Hello, and welcome to Pontifax. I'm Fry. And I'm Bree, ranking all of the popes from Peter to Francis. And this is episode 120, Pope Leo V. Nice. Five whole Leos. <laughs> I just can't imagine five whole Leos. I know we're going to get 8,000 Benedicts and several Johns, but like... And 13 Leos. <laughs> every time I'm just like, oh... Now, remember how I've mentioned that the sourcing in this time period is about to get quite obscure? Well, is getting quite obscure? Yes. I want to start this episode off with a relevant quote from Horace K. Mann, who is our regular source. He says, If there has been obscurity concerning the reigns of Leo's immediate predecessors, almost Egyptian darkness envelops Leo. Is this like a plague reference? <laughs> I mean, well, actually, it probably is. But to <laughs> me, it definitely feels like the next level of shrouded in antiquity. This is now not even shrouded in mediaviality. It's Egyptian darkness. Egyptian darkness. Like plague upon your house. Yeah, it's definitely a plague reference. Some, <laughs> some frogs are coming. Some frogs are coming. The blood is going to rain. The blood's coming. The frogs is coming. What's not coming is sources. So <laughs> we need to bear this in mind as we move through the episode because it's going to be responsible for much of what we can't be clear about. I thought we were over all of this. Like, oh, no. <laughs> no, no. I thought we were over, like, having no sources. Like, that's, that's for the beginning popes who are old. Yes, but we're sitting right on the precipice of the period called the Seculum Obscurum, because <sighs> there's no freaking source. Obscure. So it's going to get probably more obscure than it's ever been. So that really seems to kick in with Leo. So we're, we're just about there. So I will tell you what we do know about him, sort of. So Pope Leo was born in Priapi, which is a village in Ardea, the region south of Rome, and not Priapism, which is having an erection for too long, as Google <laughs> repeatedly wants to tell me about while I was trying to find this village. Oh, um, so I was helping one of my friends um, edit their romance novel. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And um, they're British, so it, they would give me a lot of... Google Google wanted to, to make sure that they remained British, so... They would suggest British spellings for things, even when she didn't use the British spelling, to keep okay. it consistent. But then mm -hmm. we would get to groin, <laughs> and they're like, do you mean this 
uh, architectural thing that you put on water? And I'm like, <laughs> no. No! <laughs> so you're having the opposite experience that I have. I am looking for the architecture and the geography, and you're looking for, for the dick jokes. So. Yes. Well, Pope Leo is not from Dick Joke City. He's from a tiny village in Ardea. Now, one article I read tried to claim that this makes Leo V the first pope not born in Rome in over a hundred years, with the last that they cite being Gregory III. But literally the next pope after Gregory III, Zachary, was from Calabria. Stephen III was from Syracuse. Marinus and Romanus were from Galizia. And John IX was from Tivoli, so something has gone terribly awry in this research. However, the writer might have in fact been referencing something we also have to deal with in some weird sort of circumstances, because what we do know is at the time of Leo's election, he was not a member of the Roman clergy. Oh, well, we haven't had one of those in a while. Yeah. He was a priest, this we know, but he wasn't a cardinal priest of Rome or attached to any Roman church. So we're going to have to deal with some questions about how someone who was not even in Rome as clergy could have possibly been elected to be Pope. Now, one of the explanations that is suggested for this is that instead of being like a cardinal priest, he was what was called a presbyter forensis, which just meant that he was a priest of the marketplace. So it's entirely possible that he could have been a notable cleric just outside of Rome. A priest of the marketplace. A priest of the marketplace. Uh, a priest of eBay. <laughs> a priest of Etsy. A priest of Kijiji. Do you have Kijiji? I don't. Gumtree. <laughs> Gumtree. Yeah. Uh-huh. But not Kijiji. Alibaba. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And AliExpress. Yeah, and AliExpress. But this is not all of the confusion, because there is also a 12th century legend from Brittany that offers another explanation. This legend claims that a Breton saint called Tudwal came <laughs> to Rome. Oh, no, there are so many versions of this name that we're going to go over, and that was the easiest and most normal one. Tudwal. <laughs> Tudwal. Tudwal. Yep. So it's generally considered to be spelled T-U-G-D-U-A-L. Tugdual. <laughs> Tugdual. <laughs> so this legend claimed that Tudwal came to Rome and was elected Pope by acclamation and then so changed his name to Leo Britannia, as in Leo from Brittany. And they claim that this was this Leo. But they just don't know. No. And why they chose this Leo to be the one that they claimed is very hard to say. Because this saint in particular, Tudwal, is also one of the founding saints of Brittany. And according to the hagiographies, there are about three entirely different lives he's said to have lived. But then there's also this hymn about him being elected pope. And sometimes he's depicted with a papal tiara. So everything is a mess. And like I said, he also has so many names. So we have Tudwal and Tuol and Tudguol and Tugduol and Tuguol and Pabo and Papu or Tugdulis. So 
Yeah. <sighs> so, needless to say, they don't have their story straight about who this man actually is, but they also think it's this Pope man. So, okay. All right. Let's ride that train, I guess. And honestly, some of this information only seems to exist on the French-only Wikipedia and nowhere else. And this was about the point in the research that I had to pull myself out of the Tudewall rabbit hole because it's clearly not our guy. They also seem to clearly state that he lived in the 6th century. So again, not our guy. Saint Tudewall can remain one of the founding saints of Brittany, but he's definitely... Not our Pope man. Okay. So, there's all of that. So what we know for certain is that for some reason, this cleric, not of the Roman clergy, was elected to be the next Pope. Our other source, Wendy J. Reardon, makes mention that he was a Formosan supporter, and that could be the cause of his election to continue to try and quell factionalism in the city. But I think this is just sort of a supposition at this point, based on how things played out afterwards, rather than any actual information about him. So, literally the only other thing we know about him in his early life comes from Auxilius, who calls him, quote, a man of God and praiseworthy life and holiness. So, maybe it's just that. He was Pope. He was good. Yeah, maybe... (laughs) He he was a good and holy dude with, like, a good reputation elected to be Pope. Because that's that's definitely how our Popes have been going, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, however it happened, Leo V becomes Pope in either July or August of 903. And his first act as Pope was to issue a papal bull that exempted the Diocese of Bologna from paying their taxes. Very interesting. Not. Okay. And unfortunately, (laughs) this would be his only act as Pope, because shortly after this, Leo was captured and imprisoned by a cardinal priest who then claimed the papacy. It's a surprise (laughs) anti-Pope. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) Uh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. (laughs) Right? Normally it's like, oh, unfortunately that's all he did as Pope because he died. Nope, this one has been thrown in prison by someone else who's now an anti-Pope. So this anti-Pope is the Cardinal Priest of San Lorenzo in Damaso, who will be known to us as Anti-Pope Christopher. Christopher. (laughs) Christopher is absolutely right. And we are, of course, going to cover him on Patreon. Now, again, lack of sources. Reasons for this turn of events are entirely unclear. We don't know. Do we know more about Christopher? We know, oh yeah, we do tend to know a little bit more about Christopher, but we don't know why Christopher did this. Mm. Like, we have no idea why he decided to capture and imprison the Pope. There is speculation that Christopher reacted violently against Leo because he was not a Pope from the Roman clergy. Maybe. It's also posited that because we know Christopher was vehemently anti-Formosis, see, we know more about him already, mm-hmm. that he forced the deposition of Leo because he was a Formosus supporter. Or maybe he just saw an opportunity and seized it because he's like, hey, weak Pope man that no one's really attached to in the city. I'm just going to take this for myself. And 
it worked out for him because he's going to be an anti-pope longer than Leo was pope, for sure. So, yes, we know more about him. That's his story. Join us on Patreon for that one. Hmm. Now, as for what happened to Leo, <laughs> do you know what I'm going to say next? It's not clear. Oh, <laughs> we don't. I just, good, I thought you were going to say he died. <laughs> well, yeah, at some point he definitely does die. Uh, we There are sources that claim that he died in prison or that he went to a monastery in exile. But there are just as many sources that suggest that he was strangled to death in prison alongside Christopher, who would be imprisoned by our next pope. So there's that. <laughs> oh, but Christopher wasn't strangled? Okay. Oh, no, no, it sounds like if that is the outcome that actually happened, they just got strangled together. What if they strangled each other? <laughs> At this point, you know, that's entirely possible. <laughs> but the weirdest part of this scenario is that we have one source, Vulgarius, who says that the next pope who would come in after Christopher, the actual, like, next legitimate pope, quote unquote, took pity on deposed Pope Leo and anti-Pope Christopher and just uh, had them killed so that they didn't waste away in prison. So, you know, super magnanimous. Didn't send them to the seaside. Nope. This is like, I feel bad for you. Strangle you to death. So. So at some point, something happens to Leo. Most likely, he was murdered in some capacity. And just like the rest of his life, where he ends up, is unclear. Wendy J. Reardon claims that he was cremated and that his ashes were thrown into the Tiber and that the leftover solids were interred at St. Peter's, which is very specific. The leftover solids. What do they call those now? It's like chunks, something chunks. Isn't it just cremains? <laughs> cremains. No, I'm pretty sure that that's a real word. Uh, cremains hold on i need to know yeah yeah cremains okay so it is it's chunky remains yeah cremains so that's a weird oddly specific way of describing that because usually it's just you know buried at saint peter's but no cremated ashes thrown into the timer leftover solids cremains were interned at saint peter's but she also acknowledges that there are other reports that he was just interred at the lateran basilica so either way, the tomb was destroyed. We don't have any evidence of it, which, again, suggests that it probably was at Old St. Peter's and no epitaph remains. Unless there just wasn't a tomb and he just got put in the river. Yeah, maybe he was entirely cremated and there were no solid chunks. Possible. Or they didn't care. They just put all of it into the river. <laughs> I mean, that would have been easy, right? Why separate it? Why go through it? But imagine someone whose job it is to separate out the thicker bits. <laughs> I mean, there is a whole uh, Japanese ritual that does exactly that. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I would require like a gold pan, a sifter. <laughs> that seems like it would be easier. You're gonna gold pan your loved one's cremains. <laughs> well, if they want to be separated, I'm not gonna spend all day there. <laughs> Could have put that quote in the conclave. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll get this so much earlier than this episode's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> so much earlier. 
But yeah, so that that was that was Leo Five. Are you are you ready to rate this man? Is there anything to rate on? He lived, he died, the end. Yes. That pretty much summarizes it, but we have categories to put stuff in, so all right. You know. Well, let's see if you have any more information for me. Well, okay, let's let's see if I do. <laughs> Papatum infallium. Now, here we might consider the force of his personality that could have gotten him elected as Pope in Rome, despite not being a member of the Roman clergy, but doesn't really add to the prestige of the papacy, and he was almost immediately overthrown. So if his force of personality was good enough for acclamation, it wasn't good enough for defense, basically. What if it just was like a dice roll or a bird or something? Yeah, yeah, it could have been divine intervention, but then at least he'd have a miracle. Mm, you're right. So our, our salty source, Bartolomeo Platina, laments on this and says, quote, how lightly the papal authority was now esteemed by fault of former popes may be seen in this, that a private person should in a moment be able to seize such a great dignity. He's, he's still just so mad about the whole Formosus and Stephen situation. He is. He's never going to stop complaining about it. Well, you have to like assume that he wrote a lot of this during the same time, so he's just been salty for like a couple weeks. Well, yes, definitely. I mean, he was the later sources he was writing in about the 16th century. But yeah, he's looking back on this time period and he's very angry about it. Imagine going to the scriptorium every day. Like this, <laughs> like, it's very much like you with Easter, where you're like, where yep. it's several episodes where you're like, ah, oh, goddammit, Easter. <laughs> but like, you're reading through his, you're not reading him. Um, as he's writing them, so you don't know how far apart they are, but you are like, so you can't really give him that much. Yeah. He's not still on it. He's just been on it the whole time. This is true. I mean, I've written, I wrote all of these episodes between Formosus and now at the same time as well, back to back to back. And I was just like, freaking, I can't believe this is still going. So I do understand <laughs> and sympathize with him. But the just the way he lays it on the popes is just so like, you're not giving them any credit for trying their best. <laughs> nah. But Platino was not that kind of man. But we're not talking about Platino or his merits. We're talking about Leo and his. <laughs> Does he get points for exempting Bologna from their taxes? I don't no. think so. <laughs> no. So it's it's got to be a zero. I mean, maybe in Secular I impact him. Maybe. Let's see how you feel about that when we get there. Mm-hmm. Fructus prohibitum. Nothing. Zero. <laughs> strangled. <laughs> strangled. But he, I mean, he doesn't get scandal points for being strangled. There is can't, a pope who we will consider that for. But <laughs> can't, can't, okay. I feel like by the nature of having an anti-pope, he needs at least one point. How do you figure, though? Because it's not his fault that there was an anti-pope. He was literally like, hey, I'm pope now. And the guy's like, punch, no, you're not. <laughs> But, like, that's drama yes. in his reign. <laughs> it, it is drama in his reign, but it is not scandal in his reign. Fair. I think it's got to be a zero. Because if we start giving people points for them having anti-popes around them, there, there are going to be a lot of popes who are getting points. <laughs> Fine. No precedence. <laughs> no precedence. Secular rye impactum. 
Want to give him a point for the taxes in Bologna? No, we can give him some baloney for the taxes in Bologna. <laughs> Do we want to give him any points for potentially being a founder of Brittany? No. No. Because no. he's not. It's not our guy. It just isn't. It's got to be a zero. Fossium Sanctus. I, I have a feeling this is going to be his round. Probably the only round he's going to score points in. And that's because his face is ridiculous. So, <laughs> Okay, I haven't even seen it, but like, <laughs> he's got some luscious pink Princess Peach lips. He really does. Got those Tom Hardy lips, jeez. It's buff Squidward, 100%. He's so much younger <laughs> than the majority of our popes. He's got that douchey buff Squidward <laughs> mouth and chin. He's wearing an expression that is definitely like he's trying to make eyes at someone across the room. <laughs> he doesn't have a beard or a bunny poof, and he doesn't even have white hair. What's going on with his hair? <laughs> I think maybe it's got a bit of a, a wave. Okay, I wasn't sure. Like, it looks like he should have been bald and someone just, like, stippled on peach fuzz. Yeah, he's either definitely, like, his hair is actively falling out in chunks or he has a wave <laughs> in his hair. It's, it's, it's not clear. So there's that. We're going to rate on that, and then there's a couple more images to look at. So, what do you think? Oh, I'm going to give him, like, a, a two. A two? Oh, see, I thought this was going to be his round. I think his face is ridiculous, and I kind of want to punch it. Like, that mouth makes me want to punch it. It does. <laughs> it does look punchable. Yeah, so I'm going to give him a four, just because it's eliciting some sort of reaction out of me. So he'll get a six. Which, when divided out, gives him a 1.5. So, we have some more images, some silly images to look at. Here's one that just showed up on Alamy Stock, and it's it's Pope Leo being imprisoned and murdered. So, so there's that. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's um not a good time. There, there's the very frail potentially dead pope man laying on the ground and a shadowy figure in the door who we assume is is christopher and jesus is falling off his cross or something jesus is definitely falling off of his cross in the corner it's maybe it's to show like you know everything's gone terribly wrong he has the most unfortunate buzz cut is what's happening it is the most unfortunate buzz cut and it's not good in in the one of him potentially being murdered as well also, this is, I guess, giving you a sneak peek of Antipope Christopher. So he's sort of, he's bald in this. So he must, he must have a little bit of hair. Well, he's also significantly older in this second one, right? Mm -hmm. he's, it's not even, it doesn't look anything like the first. So if we decide at one point that he was an old man, you know, that's, that's what he looks like. Anti-Pope Christopher either has a beard or has his hand on his face like, hmm, I murdered a man. Yeah, it's not clear which one that is. We can discuss and debate that in his own episode. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, there are, I have the bad artist as well. And also that blog I found where they drew a Pope a day. They, they, also, they also made him young with wavy hair. Okay. All right. 
He does have a, even in the bad artist pictures where he looks fairly drawn, like mm-hmm. sunken, he still looks a fair bit younger. So we can go with that whole theory. Yeah. Tempest Pontificus. So again, you know, some sources tend to differ on this man. Everything's unclear, but we have late July 903 to mid-September 903, or maybe to February 904. In the Chronicles, we get Floatard saying he was Pope for less than two months, and Auxilius saying he held the rudder of the church for 30 days. So... Held the rudder of the church. Yeah. Auxilius loves a bit of the drama, too. (laughs) Steered the church, held the rudder, navigated the seas. There's a lot of that type of imagery there. Now, September to February is a pretty big gap, and that's because, you know, again, there are some debate over whether Leo should be counted from his deposition or his death based on whether or not he consented to his deposition. But he obviously didn't consent. To his deposition. Pope, you pope till you die. You pope till you die. We're not talking about an ab- abdication here. It was definitely like you were arrested and imprisoned. So either way, it doesn't actually impact his score because he gets a quarter of a year or a score of 0.0625. Yeah, he would have gotten that regardless. All right, everybody. It's the canon bonus round. Do, 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 do. No, just no. So that brings us to his total score, which is um, a 1.5625. Yeah, that's um, that's not great. But considering he had no time to do anything, that seems reasonable, too. Um, yeah, I know. Kind of speechless. But that brings us to our final question, which is where I ask you if you think he's pizzazzy enough or popey enough, with an impact enough, for a papal bull? Hey, why did you even ask me this? (laughs) Because of the structure of our episodes, Fry. (laughs) So, the answer is obviously no. The answer is obviously no. And there's no way around that, so that's just the way it goes. Sorry, Leo Five. But that's what happens when you have plaguey Egyptian darkness over all of your sources. (laughs) And you're also not a weird saint from Brittany. So it's just the way the cookie crumbles. So that brings us to the end of our episode. We have a couple thank yous to make. First off, thank you to our editor, Greg. Greg is the host of Popular History, which you should definitely check out. And we have some patrons to absolve of their temporal punishments. Thank you to Wendy Burmister Downey and Haley. Ego te absolvo. And that brings us to the actual end of our episode where we could say thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Pontifax is edited by Greg Gassman. You can find his show, Popular History, on all major podcatching platforms. And keep an eye out for his new show, Arexipod Ranking Cardinals, Cardinal Numbers. You can also reach Greg at popularhistory at gmail.com. Get it? It's popular, but with an E, for the Popes. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at pontifaxpod at gmail.com. And we're pontifaxpod on all social media platforms. 
If you'd like to support the show, consider subscribing to Pontifax on Patreon. Checking out our research wishlist at tinyurl.com slash pontifaxwishlist or making a one-time donation at paypal.me slash pontifaxpodcast. If you'd like to support us in other ways, rating and reviewing the show on iTunes makes a world of difference.